Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Rhett. I happen to be the lead pastor here, and it is the joy of my life to welcome you to a service that is unlike any other service you'll probably be a part of throughout the year. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But before we jump into everything, can you do this with me? Hey, everybody in the Napic Civic Center, throw your hands together and help me welcome our online church family this morning. Come on. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah. We're so glad to have you along for the ride. Hey, you guys, today is exciting, everybody. I know Nick had already mentioned it, but I got to say it. Y'all, happy birthday. It's our third birthday, One Life Church. Come on, somebody. Man, I tell you, as I was sitting here on the front row alongside my wife and just hearing your praise and your worship and your declaration of love for Jesus, I was just kind of taken back for a minute. And uh, I just was reminded of just the miracle that is the story of One Life Church. Many of you in the room or even joining us online who can be with us today, uh, you have invested and you've made a, you've been a huge impact on really uh, what people would call the success of a launch of a church. But all glory and all honor today, the celebration is not about a man or a woman or a family who moved here. Uh, the celebration and the honor is all about a God who deserves our praise. His name is Jesus. To Jesus Christ be all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. It's his name that we're lifting up today. It's his name that we're honoring because it's his name that brings life change. And it's because of his name that uh, the one life story that is continuing is the miracle that it is today. And so what I thought I would do today on the front end of the service, before I jump into the message, what I really wanted to do today is just kind of, uh, some of you know the story because you were part of the story, but some of you weren't along for that journey. And I just wanted to take a, just give you a little glimpse down memory lane of just how in the world a guy from Alabama and a wife who's originally from Texas, how in the world would we move 2,300 miles away from everything that we've ever known to plant a church in the most amazing, most beautiful state in the entire world, Idaho. I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. I'm highly, I'm blessed and highly favored. So thank you. Like, how does that happen? And so I just want to give you a little glimpse on the front end of that story and uh, show you a couple of pictures and a little video here in a moment. Uh, but then after that, I really just want to share with you the vision of One Life Church. In fact, the vision that I shared uh, with the original team. And so let me take you back for a minute. In 2015, so we planted our church on September the 16th of 2018, uh, but it wasn't just an overnight thing. Actually, in 2015, I was on staff. I'd been serving the Lord for over 25 years uh, in ministry in my life in just different various roles and positions. And I happened to find myself at a church uh, in, it's called Mobile, Alabama, and it's right off the Gulf Coast. Uh, we were about literally 35 to 40 minutes away uh, from the closest beach, and we were living there. We were living the dream and uh, very comfortable, had a house that we loved on a piece of property that we loved. We were, our son was in a school that he loved. We were doing life with a lot of people that were some just incredible people that God had blessed us to do life with. So we were not looking to be like, hey, let's go off and just do this new adventure, new journey. We were completely completely content and completely happy. Um, I mean, it was just, it was an amazing little thing. And so at some point though, when I was on staff there in 2015, our church went to a conference. It was called the Association of Related Churches or ARC Conference. It was in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was there that God rocked my world a little bit because here I am in all my comfort 
right? And enjoying the season of life that we're in. God deposits in me after one of the sessions in a session of about 3,000 people in worship. God just says, hey, Rhett, I'm calling. This is how God speaks to me. Hey, Rhett, all right? Uh, I'm calling you to plant a church. And in that moment, I was like, okay, that was the pizza I ate last night. You know, that was some good, good food. But, and then I just began to talk myself out of why that voice that I heard was not God's voice. And in fact, in between each session, they have you sit down, they play videos, and they pass out worship guides much like ours. And I was reading through this worship guide in between sessions, and I was reading about a church planner. And here's the exact thought that was going through my mind before I read this article. The exact thought that was in my mind was, God, you got the wrong guy, because here I am pushing 40 at this point, I think. And all the guys and people and stories and stuff that I'm hearing of God doing amazing things around the country, you know, and around the world, they're like in their mid-20s, early 30s. And I'm like, God, that surely isn't you because I'm too old for this. You know, I'm too old to try to start over from scratch. And with that thought in my mind, I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. I read articles, Ross Parsley. I didn't bring the article today because it's kind of really fragile. I've read through it a whole bunch, but I could show it to you if you're ever at the office. And in that article, it said, if you are thinking about planning a church, don't write off the calling of God on your life if you think you're too old. (laughs) Okay, God, you got my attention. A tear begins to stream down my face and I begin to read it and I begin to get overwhelmed. And it says, God may just be calling you to plant a church, to love a city, and to love a people you've never met, to raise up the next generation of church planners. And it was in that moment that God solidified in me, okay, my next step for our family is to plant a life-giving church. Now, granted, go back. This is 2015, okay? So I come back all fired up. I keep this to myself because I want to share this with my wife. And so I come back from the conference. I'm like, hey, babe, let's uh, sit down. Let's have a conversation. And if any of you know, if you're a lady in the room, you know that the greatest gift that you have or the greatest need that you have, I should say, is one word. It's called security, right? So there's safety and security and knowing that there's comfort and all that, right? It's so here I come getting ready to share this great news of how God's called us to plant a church and leave everything we've ever known to go somewhere and to do this. And I share this with my wife. And just to be honest with you, in a life-giving, very supporting way, we were just at the point to where she's like, I'm not feeling that. And I get it, Right? I was like, okay, Lord, but if you're in this, then if this is you, then I submit this to you. I will shelve this. And I want you just, if this is what you want us to do, you need to share this with my wife. And then once, so we're on the same page. And by the way, this message today is not a message on marriage, but that's some good marriage advice, everybody. When it comes to major decisions in your life, uh, consult God, involve God in the process, but you also want to be in agreement with your spouse. And so my wife's like, amen, right? She sat on the front row. And so a year goes by, we go to the same conference in a different city, 2016. In 2016, we're in Birmingham, Alabama at this point. And in Birmingham, Alabama, she comes to me after the conference and she says, Rhett, it's time. We're supposed to do it. And I'm like, do what? She said, plan a church. And I was like, what did you do with my wife? Who is this woman, right? Like, what happened? A year of processing went by, but God spoke to her clearly that this was something that we were to do as a family. So at that point, 2016, we began to just pray and let people that are really close to us kind of know what's going on. We shared this with the pastor of the church we were serving at that time. Everybody was super supportive and everybody was like, this is exactly your next step. And so now you need to find a city. 
And so now here we are in 2017 when everybody here in Idaho is experiencing snow apocalypse, everybody. Do you remember that time for the very few Idahoans that are here? Right? I was enjoying the sun on the beach in Mobile, Alabama at that time. Uh, but at that time, we were looking. We're like, God, where in the world are you calling us? And so we had about five different cities that were on our list. And out of those five cities that we had, they were all in the south except for one. There was this one place called Idaho that I've never been to and a city called Boise that I knew nothing about. And by the way, if you're thinking this was a strategic move because of this being the fastest growing city in the country and all of that influx, like that was not the decision at all. I had no idea any of that was happening. And so all that to say, Boise's on the list. We go to the five other cities and then we're like, well, let's just go to Boise, knock it off the list, have a good time, come back to our senses because we know God's gonna ask us to plant in the South because it would have been easy for us to do that. I mean, I spent my whole life in the South. There would have been hundreds of people, you know, I felt like hundreds of people who would say, hey, let's go do this. Like, let's do this. What's sitting in the South? But God didn't call us to the South. He called us here. So how, why, why Boise? What happened? What was it about Boise? Well, um, let me tell you about the first day we came. It was June uh, of 2017. I actually got a picture of it here. Uh, we flew into Boise and this is my first shot of everybody knows this. If you've flown into the Valley, that is lucky peak over there, right? You see how high the water is right there, man. That was a glorious time in 17 because that was all snow melt from snow apocalypse. Okay. Uh, and so like the, the water's like really just ready to brim over the top of the dam there. And if you can see in the bottom right hand corner near that Southwest engine, all that white, that is like not Niagara Falls shooting out like hundreds of miles an hour of water, just trying to release water out of the dam. And so as we flew in, I looked at that and I was like, my God, we are in the most beautiful part of the world that I've ever been in. Show the next picture. Then all of a sudden I start seeing all this green of all the city and the valley. And I'm like, this might as well be the promised land because I'm like, my heart is just like, wow, Lord, this is beautiful. And I'm loving it. And so we land. And again, this is our first adventure here to the Valley. We land and one of our friends who graduated from Boise State University said, hey, if you ever go to Boise, man, you got to go downtown. You got to eat at the Fork. So if you've ever eaten there, it's not just a place for silverware. It's actually a restaurant called the Fork. All right. Uh, And then come to the next picture. Dude, I saw chicken and waffles on the menu. And I'm like, get me some of that, y'all. I'm in love with this town already. Anybody ever had chicken and waffles? If you haven't, my friend, you are missing out on heaven. It's so good. And so this story is not all about chicken and waffles, but this is how we got the Boise, okay? And so as we're hanging out over chicken and waffles, I asked the waiter and the waitress, hey, you know, can you tell me some places to get coffee? I love coffee. And she's like, oh yeah, you can go down to Dutch Bros just down the street. And I was like, cool, never been to Dutch Bros. So we went to a coffee house and many of you have probably been to the coffee house on that picture. And the reason I want you to see this picture is, uh, yeah, so there's a street shot of us walking down. And by the way, this is all pre-COVID, right? So, uh, and here we are in 2017, I took a shot of this because I've never seen something so cool laid out. I mean, we've got some cool things in the South, but we don't have that, all right? And so that was awesome. And so those baristas that you see working the counter were people that we actually encountered and we talked to. And I said, hey, tell me this. We're, we're praying about moving here. We're praying about planting a church. And if we were to plant a church here, man, we'd love for you to do life with us. And this person was like, okay, you're a little crazy. I don't know about all this church stuff, right? But they were so sweet and so kind. And I asked them, I said, what? Like, if there's a place that we need to visit, like, we can't miss it if we never come back, what's the one thing you would tell us to do in Boise? And they said, you need to go to Table Rock. 
and you need to watch the sunset in table, at Table Rock. I'm like, cool, never heard of that. Let's do that. Where is that? They said, well, it's kind of on top of this little shelf. And, you know, to hike there, it takes you about an hour. And I said, sister, I am not hiking up a mountain, okay? I don't know about you. If you looked at me, like, I'm not a hiker, but I'll drive. Can we drive to the top? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can take this road. So anyway, so we get to the top of Table Rock. And many of you know, go to the next string, the, the, the shop for me. There's a big white cross at the top of that. Okay, unfortunately, you can't drive up there anymore. I'm a little disappointed by that because I don't necessarily want to hike it. But anyway, so at this time, here we are. And if you've ever been there, you know, there's kind of like a little, little hum amongst the crowd. There were about 25 people at the top of this mountain at the time. And when my wife and I began to walk, now remember, we're praying about where is God leading us to plant a church? I'm not making this up. You could have heard a pin drop on the top of Table Rock that day. Why? Because there was one man at the foot of this cross at this moment that I didn't get in the picture. His name was William. And William didn't care who heard him. William was so desperate. In fact, he began to cry out, God, forgive me. God, is there anybody here who can help me get my family back? I'm so sorry. And he begins to call out his wife's name. He begins to call out his kid's name. And he just continues, is there anyone who can help me get my family back? As my wife and I began to approach the cross and we heard William's prayer, we sat down on a bench right to the right of the cross. And we began to weep alongside William, a man whom we had never met. And it was in that moment that God began to call in us, confirm in us a calling to move to a place we'd never been, to experience a people we had never met, to simply love God and to love people and to help people like William get their family back. Get their family back. And so there's a shot as we overlooked the valley. On the next shot, my wife took this to me right after the experience with William. As we overlooked the valley, I just began to dream. To dream about what it would look like for us to move here and to, to plant a church and to be here. And so well, this was 2017. So like any good Southerner, we began to make plans and we thought, hey, it'd be a great idea to move in January in the middle of the winter and move 2,300 miles across country. Can I tell you, <laughs> that's not a good idea. We dodged two snowstorms, everybody. I didn't know what snow and ice was, but I was introduced real quick through Denver, Wyoming, and Utah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. We barely made it by the grace of the Lord. And so... We had $6,000 in our church account at that time. With a full of faith, we were living off everything we cashed out on on our house and investments and all those different things that we had. And uh, we just came here to love God and to share with you. Really, we shared with about 55 people the same vision that I'm sharing with you today after the end of this. And, um, and it was the rest is history. The rest is history. So 55 people said yes to be a part of the team. September 16th of 2018, we launched the church. And uh, you will see, I'm going to show you a quick little video if you want to see it. And I've never shown this to the church before, but this is just kind of like a little montage of like the day before we moved through the moving to the launch. And then there's going to be a number that's on the end of the screen. And I, that's really what we're celebrating today and what God has done. You guys want to see the video? Want to see it? All right. Show the video. Let's see it. Take a look. 
Hey everybody, it's Rhett. Just wanted to give you a quick update, a very realistic raw update on where we are and what is happening right now. It's a new year, it's 2018, and God has big things in store. And one of those is for my family and I to move to Boise, Idaho and plant a life-giving church called One Life Church in the Treasure Valley. And we could not be more excited, a little scared to be honest with you, but overwhelmed and encouraged with what God is gonna do. So anyway, here's the update. We're gonna be journaling everything. We're looking to move on Monday. Moving on Monday. So pray for us and we'll be in touch uh, making our way to Boise. So can't wait to get there, but here's a quick shot. There's our car, Door of the Explorer. We're on our way to Boise, baby. We'll get there as soon as we can. Bye, you guys. doing oh <laughs> <Dang>, go <laughs> got the camera lens everybody hope you're having a great afternoon just want to quickly remind you that next Sunday April the 15th from 4 to 5 p.m. we're having our first one life church startup party everyone's welcome everyone's invited you don't want to miss it more info DM us or check out our profile
don't know if you caught that last number, but to God be the glory. 361 people have made decisions to follow Jesus. Come on, can you give God praise for that? Come on, can you lift a shout of praise this morning? Can you honor the... Come on, amen. <laughs> That's what it's all about, everybody. To God be the glory. God, to you be the glory. To you be the honor. To your name be lifted up and exalted high above every other name. It's to you, God. We are just in awe of all that you've done. God, we're in awe of what you're doing. And we are so in awe and expectant and anticipating all that you are going to continue to do through the incredible people that call One Life Church home. God, to spread your love in the message and the life-giving message of Jesus Christ throughout our family, our community, in this valley, state, and nation, and around the world. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. 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 All right, you guys. So that's kind of how we got here. Just a little, little snippet of how we're here. So what I began to think of, if there's one message that I want to share on our birthday, it's one that I've shared before, but I want to share it again. It just, it just is that important is I'm going to share with you the vision of our church. I'm going to share with you the vision that I shared the original dream team of what God has called us to do and to come alongside. In fact, if I only had one opportunity to preach one message the rest of my life, it would be the message that I'm sharing with you today. In fact, it's my hope. It's not only my hope, it's my prayer that you begin to experience this. This is the reason why we planted One Life Church. Let's look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. And let me tell you that this is a verse that is Paul praying. Now, there are a lot of scriptures that talk about prayer in the Bible, but we don't get a lot of examples of what it looks like. But in this one example, what we see are four things which happen to be the spiritual journey that God wants you and me to go through. In fact, if you look from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find four things that God wants for your life for you to experience. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's unfold this as we read this verse. As Paul said, Pastorette is saying this today. I keep asking, this is my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, time out. What is he simply saying? He said, hey, guys, I want you to see some things. I want you to be able to see some things. See what? See four things. Look at this. The first one is so that you may know him better. In other words, I want you to have a relationship with God. And the word he uses here for know isn't like some kind of mind, cognitive thinking mindset of like, I know of God. The word he uses is gnosko in the Greek. It means intimate. I want you to intimately know God like a man loves a woman and has a baby. That's the word that he uses, y'all. Like, I I want it to be intimate. I want it to be real. I want it to be authentic. And I don't want you to miss this. Life begins with a relationship with God. Not really. I could get a little bit better amen out of that. Life begins in a relationship with God. And some of you here today, you have a relationship with God. But some of you here today, you don't. But I'm going to give you that opportunity at the end of service. And if you are here today and you do have an op- uh, a relationship with God, I want to encourage you to know him better to know him better. But the verse doesn't stop there. The prayer doesn't stop there. I want you to know God. Why? So that you can experience freedom. Because why? Freedom begins in a relationship. Look at this. Now I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now time out for a second. If you're reading that like me, you're probably thinking, Paul, you done, you're a little messed up, you know, because the eyes aren't on your heart. The eyes are on your head. You failed anatomy class, Paul. Okay, but no, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, hey, listen, your heart is where you hold the junk of life. Your heart is how you see, view, and experience the world. It all filters through your heart. And not only, not, I not only want you to know God, 
but I want you to find freedom from the junk in your past that's keeping you from seeing the significance of the future that God has for you. Why is that important? Well, look at the rest of the verse. It's in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. God has a calling on your life, and guess what? Your hope is attached to that calling. Guys, there are two great days in your life. The day you were born, number one, thank God for mom and daddy, right? And number two, it's the day you discover why you were born. And that baby is very happy right now, right? Like, I get it, I'm born, woo, this is good times. But everything changes when what? You discover your why. Why? Because as according to this verse, your hope is connected to your calling. But it's unfortunate many of us can't see the hope. Why? Because we don't know our calling. Why? Because our hearts are polluted. They're polluted. Just much like the wildfire smoke that's been infiltrating Idaho. Aren't you thankful for the fresh breath of fresh air blowing that smoke out of here? Come on, somebody. God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to clear the smoke so that you can enjoy the beauty that is Idaho, so that you can enjoy the beauty that is a relationship with God. Man, I want you to come into a relationship with God. I want you to find freedom, man. I want you to get to the place where you discover your purpose, which ultimately leads us to the last part of the prayer, which is my prayer for you, is that, look at this, at the riches of his glorious inheritance. Time out. I just need you to understand one thing. Everything that God has for you and for me is one word. It's glorious. Woo! Listen, God ain't trying to take anything from you. He's trying to add to you. He wants to add value to your life. He wants it to be a glorious life. And my friends, notice that God's best and God's glorious inheritance doesn't come from doing life alone. God's best doesn't come from being isolated. No, God's best comes from being in a family. Look at that. In his holy people. That's you and that's me. So my hope today is that you not only experience the power of this prayer, in fact, it's not only my hope, but it's God's hope that you experience this. Why? Because this is the spiritual journey that God wants to take you on. What is that journey? Well, we just read it, but let's break it down a little bit more. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. That is no God. Everybody say no God. And by the way, we are a message note-taking church. You can go to olc.church. There is a button on our homepage that says message notes. Click that button. You'll be able to follow along if you're online today. Our sermon notes are available for you as well. So God wants you to come into a relationship with him. And I already said this, but we're not talking about a cognitive mental state of thinking about God. We're talking about an intimate, personal relationship. God wants to know you. Now, here's the thing. I've been serving the Lord for 28 years, but I did not understand this concept until I was 16 years old. A friend of mine invited me to a life-giving church, much like One Life Church. And it was in that service that I realized that God wasn't looking for religion or rules or regulation, but God was looking for a relationship. But I'd never been taught that. In fact, I grew up telling everybody, I'm a Christian. Why? Because to me, Christianity was more like a fire insurance plan. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you just want it just in case. You know, I want to escape the hells of flame. And if I just need to believe in Jesus, then okay, I'll believe in Jesus. But here's the problem. I believed in Jesus. I just didn't know Jesus. They have a relationship with him. In fact, when I began to read a verse like this, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I began to discover how important this was. Jesus Christ himself said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a problem. That was my problem because that was my plan. The only one who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven, look at this, is the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven, goes on to say, many Many 
Not a few. No, no, no. Many, multitudes, many will say to me on that day, referring to Christ's return in the judgment day, well, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? I mean, didn't we drive out devils in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles? Let me bring this into today's language. Man, I went to church like once every like three months. I mean, like I gave every once in a while. I went to a small group like, I don't know, once or twice. Like, Lord. And then look at what Jesus says. He goes on to say, but then I will tell them plainly. I never gnoscoed you. I never had a relationship. I mean, you did all these things for me, but we just, we never did them together. Like it was just you trying to perform a task and rules and regulation, but there was no relationship. My friends, the only thing that God wants for you and with you is a relationship. That's it. God is not interested in what you do for him. God is interested in what you do with him. And that's why as a pastor and as a friend today, I'm here to tell you that my greatest joy isn't in what you do. My greatest joy is in who you know. My greatest joy, I tell our team this all the time, my greatest joy, I'm so thankful for the men and women on our amazing dream team who have created such a beautiful atmosphere. Can we just throw our hands together for the incredible dream team today on everything that they've done? Come on, you're my heroes. You're my heroes. But I tell the dream team all the time, listen, I'm so thankful for what you do and it is important, but I am more thankful that you love Jesus and that you have an authentic, real relationship with God through Jesus. Why? Because that's where life change happens. That's where joy happens. That's where it all begins. So here's the big question that I hope you're asking today is how do I receive that kind of joy? Like how do I receive that kind of relationship with God? Well, really simple. And with each one of these statements, there's always an action step because we're very practical here at One Life. And that is when it comes to knowing God, how? Well, number one, you just need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we'll simply declare with our mouth <laughs> that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, here's the word, you'll be saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from sin. Well, why is that such a big deal? Well, look at the rest of Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin, here's why it's a big deal. Living your life apart from God, the wages of sin is death. But salvation, the free gift of God, (laughs) of eternal life. Oh, my friends, it's free and it's a gift. And it only comes through one person and his name is Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. And for some of you today, your next step is simply surrendering control of your life to Jesus. That is what salvation is. It's not going to church. It's not doing good things. It's simply living a life of surrender In fact, some of you who know God, I encourage you, I just want you to know him better. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a while and you've never taken a next step of water baptism. And that is a next step that I want to encourage every person, every believer. Throughout scripture, you see every person that gives their heart to Christ or declares their faith and trust in the Lord, their next step is water baptism. And today we're going to be offering that after our 11 a.m. service. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I want to encourage you, for some of you, that is your next step. Well, Pastor Ed, I mean, as a child, I was christened. I mean, as a child, I was dedicated. I mean, like, if I, if I get water baptized now, won't that disrespect what I 
did or what my parents did when I was younger. And I was like, no, not at all. It doesn't disrespect it. It actually honors it. In fact, it confirms it and it celebrates the fact because what your parents or your family members were doing at that time is they were simply saying, man, our hope is that one day when you are older that you will choose Christ. And by the way, there are over 27 examples of water baptism and each one of those examples are always post Decision. In other words, you get water baptized after you've made a decision to follow Christ. Look at Acts 2.41. Those who accepted his message. What message? The good news of Jesus. What do they do? They were baptized. And some of you have never been water baptized. And I want to encourage you today. Today is the day. Now is the time to take a next step and to be water baptized. So our hope, our prayer isn't just that you know God. Man, my hope and prayer is that you, number two, write this down, is that you find freedom. Why? Because that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I want to tell you something right now in this moment that could bring you freedom that you've never heard another pastor say. You ready? You can know God and still have issues. You can be in an authentic, real relationship with God and still be dealing with some addictions. Still be dealing with some bitterness in your heart and be dealing with unforgiveness and, and hurt and pain and different things. I just need you to understand something. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. God loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you in that mess. God wants you to experience and to find freedom. So here's the question. How do we find freedom? What's the process? Well, I want to be honest with you. Many people don't like God's process to find freedom. So therefore, we're stuck in our junk for the rest of our life. We're saved. Spirit's going to heaven. We're just having to deal with a lot of junk here on earth. What's his process? Well, his process is people, everybody. His process for healing and finding freedom is people. I'll show it to you. James 5, 16. Look at this. Don't miss this. Therefore, by the way, if you ever see therefore in scripture, you want to ask, what is it therefore? Okay. So it's therefore... Confess your sins to who? To God? No, to each other. Now time out for a second because I know what some of you are thinking. Wait, wait a minute. Hold up, Pastor Red. Are you telling me like people forgive me of my sins? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. We go to God through his son, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness and forgiveness only. Only God through his son, Jesus, and the authority he placed in Jesus' name by his blood has the authority to forgive us, to wipe us clean as far as the east is from the west. That is how our sins are forgiven through God and God alone. But how we find healing how we find freedom on this side of heaven, God's process. Look at the rest of the verse. If you'll pray for each other, confess to each other, I got some issues. If you'll do this, why? So that you may be, there's the word, that you may be healed. You may be healed. God's system for healing your hurt, your wounds, your past, your bitterness, all the things that are junking up your life and clouding up your mind, his system is people. Well, Pastor Red, I mean, it's just me and Jesus. Like, I just need Jesus. Well, now you're missing it because you need Jesus, right? It's you, it's Jesus plus life-giving relationships. Why? Because according to God's word, it equals healing. 
Can I get an amen, somebody? If you've experienced some healing through small groups, everybody. So everybody, every single one of us needs somebody to say, hey, I've got your back. I'm not perfect. In fact, I got issues just like you and I'm trying to figure this thing out. But you know what? God said, if we'll just kind of get real with each other, pull back the mask with each other and be honest and open and just say, hey, I need some help. And you'll pray and you'll invite God in the process through people. My friends, the result is healing. <laughs> It's beautiful. And that's why my hope, my prayer is that you take a next step and you join a small group. I want you to join a small group. You can join a small, we just launched small groups this last Sunday. You're like, oh man, Rhett, sorry, just missed it. Can't be a part. No, listen, we got 13 weeks of this. We just getting started. If you're not in a group yet, stop doing life alone and find some healing, man. Get around some people. Get in a group. We got over 21 different opportunities right now that you can sign up for. Go to olc.church. Click on the button that says small groups. Surf that directory. Find one that fits your schedule. And listen, I need a group. Group, you need a group. We all need a group. Every single one of us. We need people in our lives. So I want you to know God authentically, man. I want you to find freedom. I want you to get some people in your life to help you in that process. And here's number three. I want you to discover purpose. This is our hope. This is our prayers that you discover your purpose. Look, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. My friend, you and I are created on purpose for a purpose. Why is it so important that we understand this? Because my friends, your design reveals your destiny. In other words, when you come to understand your calling and what God's gifted you in, and, and, and when you begin to understand that, all of a sudden it opens your eyes and go, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. It changes everything. And my friends, that's why our hope is to help you take a practical next step with something that we call our Discover class. Our Discover class is something that we were doing. Uh, moving into this new year, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to start this up again on Sunday, October the 3rd. And our Discover class is an opportunity. It's going to be a two-step process. It's going to happen every Sunday during this service. And that is step one. It's all going to be about vision. Step one is all going to be a vision. It's going to happen on the first and third Sunday of each month. In other words, it's a place that's created where you can come and hear the vision of One Life Church and to see what it would look like to get connected to a local life-giving church. And my friends, I will tell you this. Your purpose begins when you are plugged in and when you are planted somewhere. It doesn't have to be One Life. There are a lot of great churches in this valley, but you need to find somewhere and get planted and get rooted. Why? Because when you're planted and you're rooted, things grow. And God tells us, according to scripture, that when you're planted in a local life-giving church, your life will thrive, it will flourish, and you will find fulfillment, my friends. That's why this is so important. So this is kind of like a membership opportunity for you to hear the vision of One Life Church to see if it's something you want to run with. And if it is, step two is all about purpose. It's just a very practical class that's designed to help you take a next step in discovering some of your spiritual gifts and kind of like how you're designed, like your personality. And so we kind of walk through these really easy steps. They're just questions we ask, and it's a multiple choice. You can circle, you can answer, and then the way you've answered those questions, it's not a perfect system, but it does give you the baby steps into going, oh, wow, this is why I am the way I am. And in fact, in Discover, this is what you'll discover. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given you gifts and me, given gifts to each of us from his great variety. I love it, man. It's like going to Golden Corral. It's a variety of food. It's a buffet of gifts, right? Some of you in this room, you walked in this room today and you might've noticed something on the ground. You picked it up and you, and you threw it in the trash can. Or maybe you saw a chair that was misaligned. Can I tell you, that is the gift of helps. That's a gift God's given you. 
Some of you today maybe saw somebody standing alone or sitting by themselves and you went up to have a conversation with them. Why? Why do you do that? Well, I'm just compassionate. Yeah, well, you're compassionate because you have a gift of mercy. Some of you today, you're in this room or you're watching online, you're like, man, I'd love to get up there, play guitar or sing. Why? Because you have a gift to lead people into worship. That's what you were created to do. Some of you, man, you've been looking down there in that kid's life hallway and you're seeing how much fun those kids are having. You're thinking, my goodness, I know I've got a grace gift for kids. Maybe you're a teacher or maybe you're a mom or dad and you just love the kids and like, you're just like, you, you light up like a Christmas tree when kids are around. Like, why? Because God's given you a grace gift for kids. These are gifts. Some of you have been given a gift to create wealth. Some of your business leaders. And some of you have been given the gift to create wealth. Why? So that you can hoard it for yourself? No, it's so that he's given you a gift. So why? So you can advance the kingdom of God. We all have different gifts and they're all important. Why? Well, I just need you to understand this. Here's the rest of the verse. You ready for this? Because you and I, we have a responsibility. And that responsibility, my friends, is to manage them and to manage them well. In other words, God's expectation is that we absolutely use the gifts God's given us. Why? So that God's generosity, here's the beauty, so that God's generosity can flow through you. My friends, the reason that God has blessed you is so that you can be a blessing. My friends, the reason that God has blessed you is so that his generosity can flow through you. And this is what I need you to understand. People's eternities are on the line. You need to understand that. Jesus said this. It's not going to be on the screen, but it's Matthew 9, 37. He said, hey, guys, the harvest, it's plentiful. Like there are people in your community, in Nampa, in Caldwell, in Meridian, in Cuna, in Boise, in Star, in Middleton, all the way up 55, all the way up to court. There are people here that need to experience the love I have for them. They need to experience the hope I have for them. The harvest is plentiful. But Jesus said this, but the workers, those who are willing to take a next step and to do something about it, well, they're few. And I'm just saying, let it not be said of us, One Life Church. Man, let it not be said of us that at One Life Church, there's only a handful of people that do all the work in the ministry. No, 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 no. Let it be said of us at One Life Church that we are the church and we don't exist for us. We exist for the world. Let it be said of One Life Church that every man, woman, young and old, boy and girl in this house stands up, rises up and does number four, which is make a difference with their life. This is good preaching, Pastor Rhett. Thank you so much. I'll amen myself. Look at the rest of the verse. Why? So that you can experience the riches of his glorious inheritance that he has for you and his holy people. My friends, there is no higher level of living than living your life, making a difference in the life of another human being. In fact, non-Christian and Christian sociologists, they will tell you, they've created a word for it. They call it transcendence. You know what it means? It means you find fulfillment. There's no higher level of living until your life is making a significant difference in another human being. Don't take science's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Look at what Jesus said. John 15, verse 8 and 11. Jesus said this. Guys, all of this is to my Father's glory. That you do what? That you make a difference with your life. That you bear much fruit. Doing what? Showing yourselves to be my family, being my church, being my disciples, being people who are in authentic relationship with me. Why is that important? I'm telling you 
This so that, oh, please don't miss this. So that my joy, whose joy? Jesus's joy. So that my joy, whose joy? Jesus's joy. Jesus said, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Why does God want you to make a difference? So that you can experience the highest level of living, that your joy can be made complete through who? Through Christ's joy living in and through you. Come on, somebody. This is good news, everybody. Everybody. Making a difference with your life not only changes somebody else's eternity, but it changes you. It changes you. That's why the honest to God truth is your next step, my friends, is I want to encourage you to join the dream team. Join the dream. What's the dream team? Guys, we don't have volunteers around here. Volunteers is like, hey, uh, we know you don't want to do anything for us, but we're going to set up a foyer in the foyer, a little sheet. And if y'all all sign that for us, again, we know you don't want to do it, but will you please volunteer to fill all these positions because we need you to do something. Like that doesn't happen here at One Life Church. We don't have volunteers. No, we have a dream team. We have men and women of God who know God, who are finding freedom, who are discovering their purpose and who have set out to make a difference with their life. With what? With what a church needs them to do? No, with what God's called them and created them to do. Because they've understood and they've come to experience that when they begin to step out in faith in the gifts God's given them, they begin to experience joy like none other. This is the dream team. This is the men and women of God who we've celebrated, who have set the environment today. This is One Life Church. So here's the question. Do we need you on the team? Yes, absolutely. We need you on the team. Do we want you on the team? Yes, absolutely. We want you on the team. And in case you missed what I just said, I'm going to repeat that one more time. Do we need you on the team? Yes, absolutely. Those online, do we need you? Yes, we need you because there's an online community that we want to reach as well with an online campus. We need you. Do we need the men and women of God in this room? Yes, we need you. Do we want you? Yes, we want you. We want you, but here's the reality. It's not because of why you think we want you or need you. It's because of what you'll experience, what God's promise to you is. This is why we want you to be a part. This is why we need you, so that your joy may be made complete. That's the motivation. The motivation is you. It's what you get out of it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. This is what I've given my life to for all my life. By the way, I've been serving the Lord 28 years, and you know, not all 28 years of those were being the lead pastor of a church, right? You know, a good 20 of those years were volunteer, doing different things. I know volunteer is a bad word, but there you go, right? Living the dream. This is my life. I'm teaching you what I've experienced and how God has transformed. I'm not just telling you something that pastors are supposed to say. I'm telling you what God wants you to experience. It's joy. It happens when you make a difference with your life. My friends, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Four things. Know God authentically. Find freedom in people and through small groups and community. Discovering your purpose by understanding your design. Why? Because that reveals your destiny so that you can ultimately make a difference. Why? So that you can experience fulfillment and joy. So I want to close with this. I couldn't think of a better way to close our message than to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus, to come into a relationship with God, and to take a next step of water baptism. So let me just teach you really quick what water baptism is all about. Why is it important? Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. The ultimate reason is, hands down, it's because Jesus said so. Look at this. Jesus said, therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to help them. Help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And I want you to baptize them. 
In what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what does water baptism represent? We'll look at 1 Peter 3, 21. In baptism, we show. We show, like we demonstrate. This is all it is. It's a demonstration of our faith. From what? That we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. And by the way, it has nothing to do with the water, nothing holy about the water. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, no, but because being baptized, we're just simply turning to God and we're asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. So I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to take a next step. Why? Because Jesus said so. If you're a Christian, this is just the next step. And if you're not, today you're going to have that opportunity. Now, I know this. I know you. And because I know you, I know you've got some excuses already lined up of why you're not going to get baptized today. And one of those is, well, I mean, I didn't really know. I mean, I know I wasn't really following social media, so I didn't see it, so I didn't come prepared. So we know some of you are thinking, well, I didn't come prepared. So guess what we did uh, with the money you put in last week's offering? We bought shorts. We bought undergarments and all the unmentionables that you're not supposed to mention in church. You know what I'm saying? And we bought black shirts with every size because we're keeping it holy around here, everybody. You can laugh in church. I'm just saying, y'all know where we're going with this. Some of you are like, well, I don't, uh, like, I don't really have a place to put my stuff, man. I mean, nobody's here to hold my stuff. Don't have a locker to keep it safe. Well, we understand that, so this is what we've taught our team to do. So when you come up to the water baptism tank, what we would encourage you to do is just hand your stuff to the team member that's standing there. They will hold it in front of the accountability of the few people that are there, right? And they'll see, like, I'm not taking your stuff. I'm not stealing your stuff. I'm not touching your stuff. I'm just holding your stuff. You get water baptized, you come out, and we'll hand you back your stuff, Okay? Well, I don't know about all this COVID stuff. I mean, like, I don't want to get in the water because, like, you know, it's kind of yucky after about two or three people. Well, we understood that. So guess what we did? Because you're so generous, we bought a water baptism tank that has an ozone purification filtration system in it, which kills 99.9% of all bacteria. We're on to you. We know. We're getting rid of those excuses. And on top, well, the water's cold. No, it's not. It's heated. It's nice. It's, it's close to like hot tub level. It feels really good. Well, pastor, I mean like a social distancing. I don't really want you to touch me. Like I, I don't want you to, you know, well, guess what? Bible doesn't teach in scripture that a pastor has to touch you. Like you can baptize yourself. I'll just say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in Jesus name, you are baptized and you dunk yourself and come right back up, baby. I'm saying, you know what I mean? We get rid of all the excuses. Why? Because it's a next step. It's a next step. My friends, water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. You've heard me say this. This wedding band does not make me married. But what does it represent? It represents that I'm taken. Not that any of y'all want this, but I'm just saying I'm taken to the most beautiful woman on the planet. She's sitting on the front row. Her name is Linda. So this was a wedding band of Christianity. Water baptism is just going public with your faith and saying, I follow Jesus. Well, Pastor Red, I mean, I respect all of that, but my faith is just meant to be private. I'm a private individual. I don't want anybody to know. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And, you know, and here, I get it. Listen, I love you, and I want you to know my heart for you. I understand. But here's the truth. God's word, it doesn't teach that. If it did, I promise you I'd find it and I'd help support that thought, but it doesn't. No, God's word teaches the opposite. In fact, Jesus addresses it in Matthew 10, 32 through 33. Look at this. Whoever acknowledges me before others. In other words, whoever publicly say, you know what? My faith and my trust is in Jesus. 
I'm not a perfect person. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not even going to try, but I love God and I have a relationship with him. Those who go public with their faith, well, look at what Jesus says. I'll also acknowledge before my father. Now, I wish the verse stopped there. Most pastors would stop at that point. They wouldn't share the rest of the verse because the rest of the verse kind of like feels like Jesus is stepping on some toes and I just want you to know that everything that Jesus has for you is good and what he wants for you is good. And so if it's there in scripture, it's for your good. So let's see what he has to say. He says, listen, guys, whoever disowns me before others, in other words, those who won't go public and nobody has a clue that they serve God or even in a relationship with God and they keep that so private, that's just between them and nobody knows. Jesus says, I'll... I will disown before my father. So what is water baptism? Simple statement. Write this down, then we'll close. Water baptism is simply a public demonstration. It's a public declaration of my faith. Not my mama's faith, not my grandma's faith, not my grandpappy's faith. No, no, my faith, my trust in my Lord, my Savior, my God, Jesus Christ. This is what water baptism is. And today, immediately following this service, every single one of you will have that opportunity. And I would encourage you to take it if you have not yet. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Some of you here today, if you were honest, you would say, Pastor Red, I've known of God, but I've not known God. I've not, I don't have a relationship with God. And Pastor Red, if I'm being honest today, I would say that I want to surrender my life to Jesus so that his joy would be made complete in me, so that I could find freedom, so that I could begin to take a process of discovering why I'm even on this planet, so that I can experience the highest level of living of making a difference. If you're here today, or you're joining us online, and you would love to come into a relationship with God, it would be my joy, my privilege, and my honor to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I promise I will not embarrass you in any way. But if you're in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would encourage you to be so bold as to raise your hand in this moment and to let me know who you are. So if that's you, Pastor Ed, I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today and come into a relationship with God. Would you be so bold to raise your hand all across this room? Nobody's looking. It's a moment between you and the Lord. Greatest decision of your life, my friend. Greatest decision of your life, young man. Greatest decision in the back. I see that hand. God bless you. Way to go. Congratulations. You can put those hands down. Can I encourage you to say a prayer like this? And it's not about the words. It's simply about a heart that connects with God. Just say, God, thank you for loving me. Come on, everybody, pray that. God, thank you for wanting a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe that you're the son of God. Today, I put my faith, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you. I pray this, say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin have your way in my heart. I pray to say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, we had several hands go up in the first service and second service. Can we celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus today? Come on, throw your hands together. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah.